life hacks, leadership tips, stories, and fun. It's time for Two Guys on Stuff with Michael Edwards and Tom Tobin. They're executives, entrepreneurs, and great friends. And this is a conversation about values-based, purpose-driven leadership that can transform you, your organization, and the world. Now, let's hear what stuff the guys are talking about this week. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys on Stuff, and we are going to have an excellent, excellent interview today with John Chokotowski, and you know my friend, Michael Edwards. Michael, say hello. Howdy, howdy. What, what's going on in your life today, Michael? Man, I'll tell you what, this has been an exciting week. Uh, you know, we're recording two episodes of Two Guys on Stuff, and tonight I am facilitating a uh, behavioral workshop for 41 people. Uh, so really excited to have reviewed 41 disc assessments and my eyes were bleeding. Uh, but it's going to be a blast. <laughs> really looking forward to that. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's going on from the world headquarters of Tobin Automotive and Grease Monkey? <laughs> oh, we started our first fleet vehicle program today. So we're excited. So we're we were stopping and picking up the first car this morning at 5.45 a.m. and uh, are processing those through. So I wasn't able to do it from my comfortable home studio. Today, I'm coming to you from Tobin Auto World Headquarters in the metropolis of Cibolo, Texas, just outside of San Antonio. So Love we're excited. It. So, uh, but hey, more important, less, less important about us, more important um, John, it is great to have you here. John's with us from North Star Coaching. He's joining us today. Welcome to Two Guys on Stuff. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, before we get started, do you mind telling our audience a little about your story and uh, kind of what, why you left the corporate world for executive coaching? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so uh, I'll, go, I'll go a little bit back to the beginning of my career, but I promise you it's, it's, it's not going to be a huge, uh, a huge time thing here, but I started out as a corporate consultant. So working for a company called Accenture, working with oh, yeah. all those, you know, the fortune 100, fortune 500. And the last place that I worked for them, um, was in the same building was Scott Adams, who some people know as the cartoonist for Dilbert. So mm -hmm. I actually can say I worked in a Dilbert cube. I get it. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, I want to know if he did a cartoon with you as a, as a thought. So no, we were, <laughs> we weren't that close. I mean, I shared an elevator elevator ride with him once, but that's, that's about as, as close as we were, All but right. he actually left there while I was there. Um, in that day, they were sending out the cartoon weekly through email. That was how they did it back then. And it crashed the servers. Right. So like, you know, wow multi-billion dollar company crashed their servers and they said, you can't do that anymore, Scott. So I think he decided he'd made it at that point um, and, and left not too long after that. But I, but I, but I just start with that as I get, I get the world of the Dilbert cube had some great experiences there. I really loved helping people. I loved helping teams. I liked them help, be, you know, to become more effective um, to really get connected more with, you know, what was really important to them and, and, and how to make their work life better. But that corporate environment for me wasn't, it just didn't feel right. That's all I can say it as. I just, at some sure. sense got like, this is not for me long-term. And I, I made a right, you know, 180 degree turn out of there and went into um, nonprofit leadership. So a couple of different nonprofits uh, over the years, including, you know, roles of marketing director, executive director. So I, I kind of got the whole feel for it. And somewhere along in there, um, my, my story is, um, I helped an organization double in size over a year, right? No mean feat, no matter what size the organization is. Right. And, uh, it took its toll, but I didn't see it <laughs> taking right. its toll, driving to work, um, pulled over to the side of the road, felt uncomfortable, thought I was having a heart attack. Spoiler alert. I wasn't, uh, I had a panic attack. No idea what this was out of left field. No, no, no sense of what this was or what to do with this. Um, couldn't really work, you know, honestly. I mean, I, I could go to work, but I couldn't really do much work. I wasn't very effective. Had a mentor at a time. I know you two have talked about mentors and, and you know, people and accountability partners. Had a mentor at a time said, how would you like to try coaching? I said, yeah, that sounds great. Guys, I would have tried anything at that point. But, uh, and I, I really wasn't that familiar with coaching. And um, quickly got in and recognized that <clears throat> 
it wasn't in this moment about me being smarter. It wasn't about me working harder. It wasn't something I could think my way out of or work my way out of. It was really about getting into the mindset, what meaning I was making of things. So just a whole different level that I had not been reflecting on. Um, and as I got into that, I recognized, oh, here's the ways I'm not taking care of myself. Here's the way I'm not dealing well with stress. Here's the decisions I'm making that are affecting my relationships in, in not so great ways. Mm-hmm. And so in a matter of weeks, I was back at work. Within months, I was better than ever. And over time, the conversation shifted to, which I'm really thankful to my coach. He said, so what's next for you? You know, you've been here at this place for 10 years. Are you going to retire here? No. So what's next for you? And that question for me really helped me see that I wasn't um, really taking uh, responsibility for planning out what, where I really wanted my career to go, what experiences I wanted to have. So once I did that, somewhere out of my mouth, when he asked what's next, out popped, I would love to be a coach. I would love to help other leaders who are in similar places, um, not, you know, maybe go a different route. Um, you know, so I thought in that moment, maybe I can't do this anymore. You know, that thought, um, was not a helpful thought. The helpful thought was how can I keep doing this? What, what can I learn here? What can I shift here that would really help me? And then eventually, you know, others. So I've been an executive coach out here for, you know, five or six years, but I was practicing coaching with my team before that, you know, Mm -hmm. trainings and different things. So that's who I am and why I'm here right now. I'm Michael. As you talk about that, you know, I think about it's interesting because I literally just came from talking to one of our guests that was here getting an oil change, but we also <laughs> were talking about the podcast. And I said, yeah, after this, I'm going to be going in and I'm going to be um, doing this podcast. And he says, well, I really enjoy watching or, or listening to podcasts because he's on the road a lot. And so uh, we were talking about the difference between coaching and counseling what do you see as the difference? Yeah. So I'll, I'll put a two ends of the spectrum, Tom, I, I would say on the one end is coaching on the other end would be, you know, consulting, or if you want to say counseling or therapy or something like that, to me, the biggest difference here is about who the expert is in the room. And so with coaching to me, the expert is always the leader in front of me. They're the ones setting the agenda. I'm helping them maybe work through clarifying goals, figuring out what it is they really want. Um, but they're the ones setting the agenda. Maybe sometimes I might have a model or something where I can really help them by offering a piece of it of information. But for the most part, it's me helping them develop those skills, figure out what's really important to them. If I was consulting, which again, in my old role, I did, um, I would say, here's my five-step method to success, right? Here's my five-step method to this. That's needed at times, but that's just a, it's a different, different way of working than what I do now. How's that, Tom? Excellent. I just, and I think as people are listening, you know, understanding that differences and, and what you said about that, they're the expert, you're just helping them kind of achieve that level of potential that they're going to. And you're, you're the outside observer that can see things that maybe they can't. Right. So I, yeah. I like that perspective. Yeah. Another, um, another quick thing, another quick example is, um, the, the word coach apparently comes from a town in Hungary called coach. Or, the, or approximately coach it was a place where they made these amazing carriages right back in the 19th century. And so the coach is something that helped you get from where you are to where you really want to be. And hopefully with a little more, a little more grace, a little more comfort, um, you know, maybe not as many potholes in the road as you would have if you just went there yourself. So coaching isn't required, but it's really helpful if you really want to accelerate your growth and learning and, and where you want to go. Excellent. Thank you. Occasionally I'll explain coaching as leading people to transformation through the game of five whys, asking why until you get the answer. <laughs> I love it. I love hey. it, Michael. Hey, so John, I, I know you've listened to uh, some of our episodes and you see that Tom and I are kind of fixed on top five lists. And last week or two weeks ago, we did our top five characteristics of the leaders, uh, leaders who are doing it right. What yeah. makes your top five list of uh, leadership characteristics? Hmm. Okay. I'm going to write these as I write it. So I don't repeat myself. Number one. Uh, and I was just asked this recently. Um, I really put number one is self-care and I'm, and I'm going to say that I know I've heard you guys talk about, you know, running buddies and, and different things, but to me, whether we're talking about sleep, exercise, habits of thought, um, what, wherever it is in there, you know, relationships, um, 
I heard someone say once one of their one of their three characteristics of what a warrior was, was when they came home, everybody was happy to see them. And I've really carried that. And and so if those things aren't online, that's probably not going to be true. (laughs) Uh, Or someone somewhere is not going to be so happy to see you. So the the ability to to um, really take care of ourselves, really recharge our batteries to be our best. I think that's number one for me right now, at least. Um, Number two right in there is the ability to reflect. And I I think, you know, so much focuses on action and getting stuff done, uh, getting stuff done. I'm just trying to bring in the title here. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think the ability to reflect, to go, hey, how, how, what did I do yesterday that went really well? What did I do yesterday that did not go so well and be honest with ourselves about that. And then from that point, pivot, choose a different way, add a little something different here, maybe do more of less of what we just did. Um, so I'm going to put that one in there. Uh, so the ability to reflect, let me see third, I'm, I'm going to go with a uh, good old authenticity. And, and by that, you know, I'm in, in many ways, um, if I'm looking for, you know, what I looked for in a work environment was, are people giving me the straight up unvarnished truth of what they see, not the truth, right? But what do they see? And maybe that's something about me that's uncomfortable. Maybe that's something where I thought it was just going along great. Um, But that authenticity, that ability to show up as who they are and what they see, I I think that's one of the most really important ones. Um, Gosh, pushing me now four and five. Those three are so, so great for me. Um, I'm going to go with, um, you, you may only have three. That's okay. Uh, we right. don't want to push that, it to five. If those, you you like those the, no, yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it. Let me, give me, uh, so I would say for what's coming up for me in the moment is around resilience. So I know that word gets used a lot for me as, as I say it, I'm again, it comes from a lot of these other things, but I think the ability to have something that, you really care about flop, fail just brilliantly down in flames, an audience watching. Right. Uh, and to recognize this is an opportunity for learning. I think that, and that, that turning point you know, for me, it's like, if I think of a, a ball dropping resilience to me is over time, that same thing that maybe earlier in our lives would have just crushed us, kept us down for months or some people years it never gets to that point of being crushed and we bounce back much more quickly. And we've actually got momentum for what's next. We've got learning for what's next. And then I'll put five in here. Humor. This is a big one for me. I see the workplace, you know, one to get great stuff done, right? Like to, to make great success out in the world, to help people out some way with a product or service or something that's going to improve our lives. But to me, it's like life is funny. And if it's not funny, it's grim. So, I mean, to me, I think I'm looking at if a leader doesn't have a sense of humor, it probably means there's something missing there. Um, and, and maybe it's a different career. Maybe it's something I've already listed. But if that's not there, then um, I, I would sort of take stock and say, hmm, maybe there's something missing. How's that, guys? That's a pretty good five. You, Love that it. That's great. a great top Excellent. five list. Excellent. Not pre-prepared, I guarantee. <laughs> Executive coaching, you know, as an investment that. I think it's sometimes people don't uh, understand the value. What do you tell people that are, are getting an executive coach, but aren't ready to take the leap? I mean, they're thinking about getting an executive coach, but they're not ready to take a leap or they're looking at it and you're going, gosh, I just don't know if I can afford the cost or is the mm. cost worth the, you know, am I going to get that value out of, out of it? You know, that whole piece where they're, they're kind of ready. They understand the importance, but can't make the leap yet. How do you, how do you kind of begin the coaching process by coaching them through that thought process? Yeah. Great question, Tom. So for me, um, where I'm at now, I want to have an initial conversation that is purely there's, there's no coaching going on in it, but an initial conversation to understand what do they really want? Like what would make the difference? Um, six months from now, if, if they were saying this was an awesome success, I can't even believe it, John, thank you so much. What is that? And it could be, it could be two things. It could be three things, but it's, it's probably one or two things that maybe there's a crisis, right? Maybe they're in the middle of a transition. Um, they've just taken on a new leadership role. They've just taken on great new responsibilities. They've started a new organization, who knows? But it's, if they can imagine and clearly say to me why this is so important, 
That's where I'm starting with them. If we get past that conversation, then we're in a coaching conversation around something in there. So we both have a sense of what's possible, right? And if at the end of that coaching conversation, there isn't some at least little wow to them, some new insight um, into, you know, how they're going about things and what might be holding them back, what might be getting in the way, um, or some new vision for them about what's really possible. Either we might not be the right match. It might not be the right time. Uh, or the level of motivation just might not be there yet. They might be interested. But so coming back to the value question, Tom, if we're talking too much about dollars and cents, that's a hint to me that it's probably either not the right time or we're not quite the right match or we haven't hit on what is it. So it, whatever the value is, let's say X is the value. If we say that's what coaching is going to cost, I want them to be thinking what's 50 X, a hundred X. If that value is baked into it, we're probably ready to go. If we're not, we might want to look at what the value is because if it gets down to you know, dollars and cents or thinking about an hourly fee, um, it, they just might not be in the right place or have the right focus yet. So, okay. so for me, I'm, if I get into that place, I'll, I'll be transparent and say, well, I, I'm not quite sure we're in a place yet where coaching is really going to provide outstanding value to them. And maybe right. there is a way to get there. Maybe not. Maybe it's later. How's that, Tom? No, great. Great. I mean, I, cause that's the thing is, is a lot of people that listen to our podcast um, our entrepreneurs, they're starting new businesses and, right. you know, it's, you know, I, I'm in the auto lube business now and what's an engine without its lubrication. And I find coaching, sorry, that's my analogy. Now <laughs> I, my, my analogies are derived from my life experiences. So, you know, what's an engine without proper lubrication. Yeah, so our audience, as Tom mentioned, they're leaders through all stages of their career um, from, I just uh, got my first leadership role out of college to retired folks. And one of the things that uh, we like to do is impart some of the things we find in our daily travels to our audience in hopes that they can learn from our bumps and bruises and experiences. I was wondering what you're finding as a commonality with your coaching clients in terms of issues. You know, what is the number one thing that you're working on with most of your clients? Okay. So I, I'm going to say, you know, this might be partly who I attract. So just to put that caveat in there, so I'm, I'm not saying this is the thing in the world right now, but I am also noticing this is a thing in the world of, of transitions, right? I mean, COVID is, it's, it's here, it's, it's, it's affected our lives in so many ways. Um, you know, people working for a home from home who could never consider that people working at home with their spouse who never considered that people <laughs> moving across the country. I, I feel like uh, I'll, I'll come, I'll circle back here, Michael, but I think what's happened now if we want to call this a crisis or whatever we want to see in this, there are questions for people in this chaos that were probably already brewing, right? About how much do I love this current job? Uh, how effective do I feel here? What do I really like about this? How does this serve my family? Um, you know, what am I really meant to do in the world? You know, all kinds of different things. And so for me, there's so many transitions right now. That, that um, you know, if there's one theme, it's people starting new work, people questioning the work they've been doing for 10, 15, 20 years sometimes. And, you know, you would think at that point, there's already been some check uh, in there, but sometimes there hasn't. So, so for me, it's, it's transitions in, in that place of figuring out what really matters to them, how to manage this massive transition from something they thought, ah, I'm probably like my story, I might retire in here. And then it's like, no, I'm not going to retire here. I, I can't live one more day with this. Right. Or it might just be a tweak of, you know what? I, I couldn't imagine not going to the office five days a week. And now I can't imagine going in more than two days a week. I don't think I'm effective in that way. So I think a lot of this has been working with individuals as far as their transitions in this time right now, and also the transitions of their team. If they're leading a team of like oh, five or 10 people who are all going through that exact same thing, how do they, how do they really lead that rather than just try to manage it with a policy or a procedure or something like that? I like what you said about this transition time, because I agree with you. I think a lot of people as the world literally was put on pause, had the opportunity to think through things that when you're just in the midst of the daily grind, you don't have the opportunity, let alone, you know, it's just not something that you just stop and think about, you know, the normal person probably doesn't, they're just in that grind. And, and I often say that, um, I think 
you know, God has to use grenades to blow me out of rut sometimes. And I think that's what people are in right now. They're in a rut. And now that's given them the opportunity to stop and pause and say, what am I going to do? Is this, is this time for me to take this world event and use it to change directions? Like, do you agree? <laughs> yeah. I, if I could just, the, the other word that I, whether people say it or not, it's like, it's given permission. It, it's if people were waiting somewhere for permission to try something new, to go the way that they really wanted to and thought they could, um, something in this has given them permission. Maybe it's just so much chaos. Uh, but it's like, well, there's so much chaos. Why don't I try something else chaotic and different and new and a little scary because life is already a little scarier than I thought it was going to be right now. That's I'm not sure the exact motivations, but I'm hearing that word permission a lot from people that they sense it's there right now where it may not have been before. Yeah. I think to your point, the COVID sequester, whatever we want to call it, provided people the opportunity to do some reflection and kind of figure out, is this the right thing? But then also from an opportunity perspective, the technology has opened up to where many employers are offering remote uh, work. So I'm not tied to having to work in San Antonio, Texas anymore. I can work anywhere in the world. So I think those, those two factors have really contributed a great deal to the transit transition to your point. Yeah. And the, the reflection part, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it as, you know, well, we're still in this, right. But um, if we think about 18 months, I think of winter as a reflective time, right. Might not be the same down there, you know, in, in San Antonio area, but uh, yeah. for me up, up North, it's like winter, it seems like a more reflective time. You know, this feels like 18 months of winter in some ways of like, just, continuing to be faced with, um, and, and definitely people, you know, who've had, you know, people sick or, or, or die in their life, you know, in this time, but it's like, what's really important to me, what really matters. And I, 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 so I think we've been forced to face that more than ever, which is stressful also, to be honest, but, but from that stress, again, there's, this is opportunity to see things anew and try things out and learn and grow. So, right. yeah, I also think that, you know, when you, as you talk about it like that, this is, while it's on the one hand, very unusual. On the other hand, it's not the first time global events caused people across the world to stop and consider where they were and, and where it was impacted. So I think in some ways we can also be reassured that, you know, there was World War One, there was <laughs> World War Two. There have been other global events that occurred. We lived through it as a, as a species, you know. Right. Um, it, it wasn't so catastrophic that, you know, the world was lost and, you know, I won't, I won't go down a large, a long bunny trail about my, uh, my bend against the media, but, you know, a lot of this is fueled by fear and fear allows you to control people because they're not able to stop and kind of think through it. They're just running from the fire, so to speak. And, uh, and so I, I appreciate what you're saying just in terms of, people's perspective. I also like what you, you said about resilience. It seems to be a consistent theme throughout all of the podcasts that we've had. Every leader, every author um, that we've interviewed has had some moments, some defining moments or multiple moments in their life that um, they exhibited resilience and saw it for whether they saw it as coincidence or, or led by God that it was that moment that was a defining moment in their life. So that moment may come in, you know, you talk about the yes and no's and it being a, a problematic. Can you develop that concept for us? Help our, our listeners understand what you mean when you're talking about kind of this, this yes and no situation yeah. and, and how you, how you uh, turn that around. Yeah. So I, I talk about, you know, just the question of why do I keep saying yes when I want to say no. So, you know, the, the example of, you know, especially for um, leaders on a team, Right. And you've got this beautiful day planned out. You've got your, you've got your plan. You've got your to do's, you know, what, you know, what's important. And yet you come in, someone asks for your time and that just goes down a rabbit hole to use your, your metaphor before. And then they say, would you do this thing for me? And you say, yes, but inside you were saying, no, I can't take on one more thing. This is going to really screw up my day. No, no. But we said, yes. So you know, at the short of it, you know, the theory behind it, and I'm not a psych psychologist here, but the theory behind it is growing up somewhere, somehow we learned that, um, approval came from, you know, being a pleaser from being 
kind, from being nice, from being helpful. And I don't want to say there's anything wrong with kind or nice or helpful. Um, but we learned that somewhere in there, we needed to sort of conform or perform in a certain way to get affection, to get, you know, these loving relationships that, um, we probably had, but that was the, that was the message we got somehow. And so what that looks like now as an adult is saying yes to things that are not good for us. They are not good for our team. They are not good for our organization if, if we're leading an organization, but we still say yes to them. And so, you know, there's bad relationships that come out of that um, anxiety, stress, burnout, all these things, because at the core of it, we're still wanting that approval. So it's, it's, how do we tease that apart? How do we recognize that's happening? Um, and I, I had a quote here. I just, um, one I've been looking at recently is, am I lying to you? If I tell you the same lie, I tell myself. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, at the beginning, you were talking, we talked about stress and things like that. And we add those things onto us. Um, and what I was saying earlier, I was just talking to this guest and he was talking about how he's really gone back and looked at what he consumes, both in terms of what he consumes from a food standpoint, what he consumes emotionally, what he consumes intellectually you know, through media, et cetera. And he's made a conscious decision to isolate himself, not isolate himself necessarily, but to separate himself from the negative versus the positive. And he said, so I'm eating better. I've told people, even ones that I love, look, I just, I can't be, uh, I, I can't be engaged in this emotional warfare that you want to engage in. I love mm -hmm. you, but I'm not going to engage you in it when you're ready. I'm ready. But until then, so, you know, right now, especially when people have a lot of time to fill their space, I think that, would you agree that they can be, there's probably a lot more opportunity for them to be able to be exposed to, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Since, since they've got the time and they're, they might be thinking, well, I've got the time. Why don't I say yes? When in reality, we don't often deal with that downtime very well, but we really should learn to be more introspective during it. Would you agree? And like, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think that yeah. Let me, let me, let me make sure I address that Tom. That's, there's a lot in there. Right. So I, I think the, the opportunity right now has been for reflection mm -hmm. and it doesn't come naturally to us all at least. Right. Right. Like, right. I think exactly. <laughs> right. If we, if we have some time, what are we going to do? Reflect on how things have gone today or this week or this month, or are we going to consume media of some kind, you know, it might not be the healthiest for us in whatever way it might be fun in the moment uh, or, or, you know, I heard someone say once that the purpose of marketing, I'm slight tangent, but I'm not going to go far here, that the purpose of marketing was to change, help us change our emotional state. And, and you can, wow. you could put that towards media or entertainment or other things, but sure. just to say, just to say that I see that as it, I see it in myself, right? It's so easy if, if the hard thing is reflecting and maybe looking at things I'm not as comfortable with, where I might not be living up to what I really want, it's easy to get distracted and too easy to get distracted today with the media. So, but back to the reflection point, I, I think, you know, for me, I know you guys have talked about um, habits on here, right? Like a, a lot about like, what are your habits of thought or how do you set yourself up um, to be more successful? And for me, I think some way, somehow, all the leaders that I work with work on setting up ha good habits around reflection, good mm -hmm. habits around what, what, just what you said, Tom, like taking in, taking inventory and stock of what's serving me, what's not serving me. And, and I think also another little piece in there, I'll just drop this of, I think there is a misconception that once we, once we get to that point and we've reflected on it, it's just a matter of willpower. And I think that's the other place as a coach where, and I'll say this to myself, we're all smart, hard workers, especially entrepreneurs, right? We can fall into this trap of thinking, I know what I should do. And so therefore I'm going to do it. And I think that's the other piece in here where reflection has to be, well, I said, I'm going to do this. And I said, I'm going to do this and I'm not doing it. What might I be missing? who can I ask for help? And I'm not trying to pitch coaches here per se, this could be a mentor or a friend or, you know, whatever it might be, but, but being willing to admit this isn't working. This isn't what I want. Maybe I need outside help. That 
seems like a real big place to start after the reflection is shown. I'm not really doing what I want here. I kind of might've went a different direction, Tom. I wasn't trying to evade. No, no, no. I think that you answered the question. And I think more importantly, you know, you provide nuggets to people to help them process through that. So you've got to start somewhere. And I think that's a, a great place to start. Yeah. Really, when you think about uh, reflection and even self-care, which was on the top of your list, those are disciplines, right? Everybody that I've come across, they don't come naturally. You've got to work on it. And, you know, we're, we're doers. We want to go a hundred miles an hour. I tell people I change the, the tires on the race car at a hundred miles an hour. But you've got to take okay. a time out and sit down and reflect and um, do some self-care. And I, I love how you kind of tied all of that stuff together uh, in, a, in a neat bow. Jumping back to saying no, you know, I think it's human nature. You, you, you pointed out that, uh, you know, people want to please. Uh, we're, we're all people pleasers. And, you know, I, I tell folks that uh, I coach or lead that it's okay to say no, but as a leader, you're obligated to do two additional things. You say no, but you have to explain why. Uh, why can't you do this? Why doesn't this fit in the plan or, or align with our goals? And then help that person with some solutions. You know, go talk to this person, or maybe you could do this yourself. So a couple of obligations, but, you know, it, it's always seems to be kind of a difficult or really uncomfortable conversation. What kind of tips do you have for our listeners to, to go out and gain some confidence to have those types of difficult conversations? That's a really good, that's a really good question there. I was just thinking about what you said. Could I add something else there, Michael, before I go that way? Absolutely. You were saying about, were saying about additional things. I, I think there's, uh, you know, other responsibilities in, in saying that. No, I think there's an opportunity in there. And, and again, maybe this is just going to be common sense here, but I think there's an opportunity when someone's made a request that, you know, for money or time or whatever it is that you're not going to, you're not going to be able to say yes to. I think there's also an opportunity in there to help them go a little deeper, you know, as appropriate with what it is they're really wanting to achieve with that. Right. So I, I know, you know, and you guys, I'm sure know when, when resources are short in some area and someone makes a request that's resource oriented, um, and I know I can't deliver on it. If I'm able to help them go through, well, what are you really trying to accomplish with this? Quite frequently, we'll find a different solution that doesn't require that resource that was the limiting factor to it. Right, so I'd right. say like in a, I think there's a coaching way about that, um, you know, to help them dig a little deeper into not, not feeling disappointment. Oh, you said no to me. Well, I said no to that specific manifestation that you were looking for right now, but I'm not saying no to you as a person and I'm not saying no to you as an, as an idea, but help me understand when you made that request, what are you really hoping that's going to do? And I, I think that shifts the relationship also as a leader of, are, are we just, are we just saying yes, no. And people think, uh, Oh, you're the, you're the wizard. You're the one who knows everything. Or are we trying to dive a little deeper into what's possible and help that person think strategically also? So I'm going to, I'm going to pause on that, Michael, but that was a, just another little thing I heard in there. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, so people, you know, finding momentum, you know, I, I talk about, um, you know, finding momentum for change. And, uh, there's another little, uh, another quote here that I had of, um, People pay for what they do and still more for what they've allowed themselves to become. And they pay for it very simply by the lives they lead a little bit longer, but I, but I, this sense of the momentum tends to come when we we're weighing it on a scale and we figure out, we assess, we're like this path that I'm on right now, this thing that I'm on about saying yes to these things, here's how it, Here's the inventory. Here's how it's impacting me negatively. Most of us are not going to be motivated by, oh, what's the great life I could live if I, if I start saying no to more things? We wish we think we are, right? And some of us are. But for the most part, it's, it's taking this inventory and say, wow, this thing that I'm doing, here's how it's affecting me personally. Here's how it's affecting my team. Here's how it's affecting my relationships. Here's how it's affecting my life. So I, I talked about, um, just a really simple uh, experiment around, you know, I call it left column, right column. So, you know, um, in the left column, you know, putting down an inventory of what could go wrong. Like, what are the big fears of if you say no more often? 
So, you know, people might not like me as much as I am now, you know, I could face more messy conflicts. Um, I could lose a relationship. I could lose my job, you know, if someone's not an entrepreneur, perhaps, but perhaps that could be in there too. And in the right column, you know, put everything that could go right. If you say no more often, so I could finish every day knowing that I worked on what mattered most. That's just one, right? Like how many of us can say that? most days of the week, you know, um, you know, in a good week, maybe, uh, you know, um, people might respect and trust me for being clear on my priorities. Right. Um, I could be, I could get a promotion. Um, I could build relationships and have other people ask me to be a mentor. There's a lot of them. Those are just a few that I brainstormed, but it's, it's specific to the situation. So, but again, it's, if they've reflected and found like there's a pattern here, I'm, I'm saying yes to all these things. I'm getting to five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever o'clock I haven't done the things that I felt were important. Something's happening here. Something's getting in the way. Um, and then probably reaching out for help. And again, not pitching a coach necessarily, but a mentor, a friend, someone who can help, help you see what's happening and can ask you questions and offer some feedback. So that's, that's the first place I would go, Michael. We experienced that actually in our practice. One of the things that we talked about was how many times we put monkeys on somebody else's back. And, you know, mm-hmm. we would use terminology like, you know, uh, <laughs> go figure grease monkey. That's hilarious. I just thought, I just thought about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we used, um, we used a, a monkey analogy where we're sitting there and then we, we create this monkey, we throw it onto somebody else's back and we're fine as long as the monkey's on somebody else's back. And, but what happens is if you're the one, if you're kind of the zookeeper for all the monkeys, you sit there at the end of the day, everybody's saddled you with their monkeys and you're the one that's there till eight or nine or 10 o'clock at night and not getting fed the way that you need from, you know, from a self-care standpoint, for sure, as well as all of those around you. And so we talked about sometimes the best thing that you can do is, is to, we didn't use the terminology that you're using uh, in terms of saying no, but teach them how to take care of their own monkey. And so as you're talking about that, I'm like having these images of monkeys in my head, (laughs) which just sounds so funny right now, but uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but I've got these images of, remember that game uh, that we used to barrel a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so if I understand you correctly, it's about, you know, kind of saying no to somebody else's monkey in my terminology. But what I, what I also feel is that when you do that, um, it's also one of the kindest things that you can do for them is to teach them how to take care of the problem themselves. And by doing so, not only are you enhancing their skills and and helping them to be more competent, capable, just as an individual, as well as in their job, but at the same time, you're also not not accepting that onto your plate. um, And now you've got to take care of it. So I think it's one of the the nicest things that you can do, um, Mm. even though it may seem selfish or, or, you know, saying no. You know, it's funny. I took a class, gosh, it's been 2002 ish. And it was from the son of a gentleman who crafted this whole monkey concept in terms of monkey on your back. And he said, there's three things you do with a monkey. You feed the monkey. So, you know, that means Uh I'm going to take on this monkey and care for him and and, uh, grow. You shoot the monkey, which means I say no to something Uh or you starve the monkey which kind of leads it to a slow death. And I'm not sure how much I like the starve the monkey, but I totally get the feed the monkey or shoot the monkey. Well, and I'd add a fourth, then you teach them how to feed the monkey. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you're feeding the monkey from your own resources. So yeah, I, I think, think somewhere I, along there is give the monkey back. I, uh, I think that that uh, is one of the, uh, the other concepts. All right. Well, I'm, there you I'm, go. I'm, I'm Googling really quickly and I can't find yeah. it. Well, Michael, take, take a look. I, I wanted to, I, you know, I, I, th- I see a really nice uh, um, confluence here between a lot of the things. If I asked three, if I, if I was going to offer like little nuggets, three questions that someone could ask, I would say that the first one is when, when they're being presented with this request um, that they probably should say no to is, am I looking for approval from this person? Now, I'm not saying that we're going to be super clear on the answer to that at first, especially if we've been used to it for a while. 
but at least asking that question and recognizing that maybe means yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So if we're like, I don't know. Yeah. That's a yes. Yeah. Um, if it's not, no, yes, we probably are in some way looking for approval from that person. Yeah. Um, the and you're giving one, them hope. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And to your, to your point, Tom, what I think you were just, um, and both of you in this, this monkey concept was like, how am I adding value to my life or others around me by saying yes here? Now that might sound really deep right in, in the moment, but I'm going at, this might be something you think about afterwards too, right? Yeah. This might be like, you know, what did that really do? How, how did that really serve me or the others around me? Um, and then the third one, which I do, I, I talk about, I wrote about this recently was like, if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to, um, you know, clients, family, friends, yeah. health, joy, right? Like any a great question, things. good yeah. bandwidth question, right? Yeah. So those are, those are ones that I, I think they come up in coaching, but I would just say is like anybody listening to this, they're easy enough ones to ask ourselves, or, um, I know some people will have other people ask them that, you know, they'll get together for coffee with someone and say, we ask me these questions. Right. And so it's like a little mini interview, but it, in a sense, it's just, it's an accountability partner. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and I think at the end of the day, that's the thing is, is that, you know, you have to, uh, I, I do think a lot of times you say yes, because we don't want to say no, we know what no sounds like to us. Um, we're seeking approval and subconsciously, you know, we're doing this all the time. And, and I do think it's the best thing that you can do for you, but also for those around you, um, is to, is to, if, if you're, whether you say yes or no is going to depend on your individual situation, but to think through it afterwards and say, why did I say, why did I say yes? Why? Cause a lot of times if you're the one that's constantly saying yes, you're sitting there at some point going, why did I do this? I've got so much on my plate. I just had a conversation uh, with someone from church last week and he was talking about the very same thing, just overwhelmed. And he said, you know, this, and basically his monkeys were, were getting ready to be fully, uh, you know, fully grown and take care of themselves. But he said, I got this monkey. He didn't say monkey, but I'm using the term. I got this monkey taken care of and I got this monkey taken care of. And he was talking about how stressed he was and had these three monkeys already, you know, um, done and gone, you know, grown up and independent and then began to talk about other stuff that he was taking on. And I said, hold on. I wish I had this. I wish we had had this interview before that conversation because it, I think he probably would have remembered, remembered it more if it was talking about monkeys. But I said, why don't you just take the time to decompress and relax? And he literally he said, I don't know how to do that. And I mm. said, well, then it sounds like something that you should learn to do. Mm. And uh, so anyways, it was just, uh, it, you know, I'm going to go back and talk to him about our conversation today and say, if you don't listen to anything else that I ever say, listen to this podcast. Right. So, yeah. So, um, well, thank you. Thank you, John. I, I, that's awesome. Um, so what about, so just kind of changing, um, topics, what about imposter syndrome? In a nutshell, we're going down in an elevator and you got 30 floors to explain um, what does that mean to people and how can, what are the nuggets behind it? And I know I'm pressing you all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, one thing I just, I just heard recently, the person who originally came up with it, um, they, they didn't want to use the word syndrome because they didn't want it to be thought of as a medical condition. Sure. So I'll just, I'll just put that to the side, but, um, so it, it turns, I mean, it, it comes out a lot with high performers. This is the irony of it, right? It's these people who are, you know, and in show business and actors and, you know, it shows up everywhere as this sense of, um, people are going to find me out. And so therefore stop taking risks, therefore, um, anxiety all the time. So these things that are actually self-sabotaging. So, um, a lot of times when I'm working with people and, you know, they usually have said, I, I feel like I, I have imposter syndrome. Um, we're, we're going to be working on what are some experiments you can do, um, that, will will help put some evidence in the other the other side of the balance here from people are going to find out and you're going to lose your job people are going to you know but we talk through what are all the ways that they are being super successful what are they what so that's my i, I don't want to i know you said uh elevator speech here tom so i want to keep it short and see what your response is to that no i, I appreciate it i think uh, 
you know, there's so much content just in terms of what we could have in our conversation today. You know, it's like you want a, two, a second or third part uh, to our to our interview. Um, but I do. I think it's it's important for people to understand at least be introduced to the beginning of these concepts. Um, and so I, I just appreciate what you shared. Um, you know, I think that that's that's where we need to kind of land the plane and um, kind of go to the go to the next. Uh, topic and that's we we put everybody into this situation so we have what we call our hot tub time machine question um, I don't know if for this but uh sure. yeah so um so we've got this uh, our our hot tub time machine and uh everybody's decompressing we've said no to a bunch of stuff now we're all relaxing you have some time to be reflective and all of a sudden zap you, you get zapped back to a point in time um in your past and we used to say like when you were 20, but what we found is that people had events that caused them to um, need some of some advice from themselves, you know, whether they're 15 or 20 or 25. So um, you pick the time, you, you pick the uh, scenario, but a time where you, if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, um, when would that be? I think it would be, um, it's actually pretty clear to me, you know, for, um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things where I could give advice to my younger self, but, uh, in this case, I think it was, you know, let's just say starting when I left the corporate world and, and moved into the nonprofit world, I was so, you know, in love with the mission base for these organizations and teams that were just, you know, putting their all into it every day. And I did as well. What I did in that time was focus completely on my organization. I mean, we had partners in different things, but I didn't see the value in building mentors in building a a true relational, helpful, um, um, reciprocal network of other people in my life besides friends. And, and so, you know, the advice I would give is like, start working on that, you know, start going out and making connections way outside of, um, nonprofit, you know, like it doesn't even matter what the industry or anything, but start connecting with people and form real relationships out there with people who are going to provide me with, um, a perspective, a slice of life different than mine and, and, and who will be off, who will be real with me. Right. So I think probably years, if I had done that, um, years before it, the hard truth came to me of, wow, I really haven't been thinking about what I want out of my career and my life, you know, from a work perspective, I just kind of been going with the flow. Um, I'm sure someone w- at some point would have said, John, what's next for you. And so so I look back at that time and, and I look now at a lot of leaders I'm working with who are, you know, some of them in their, um, you know, sixties, you know, they're at the tail end of their career and they don't have that group of mentors or people around them. And their life experience is less than, you know, they, I just, I see it. So beyond work, just into this overall satisfaction of, um, who we are, the relationships we have, um, I'm sure you guys have heard about, you know, like you are the five people who you're closest to, or you're related, you know, or you spend the most time with um, outside your family, you know, that same thing. Like if I don't have someone out there providing me with inspiration, reflection questions who are outside of this thing I do every day, um, I I think my life is, is less for it, um, less satisfying. So I think building that network and continuing to build that network throughout life would have been the one piece of advice that, um, you know, I'm doing now, but I'm doing now after a a, painful time of not doing it. That's great advice. I think that's the thing is that's the nugget that people should take from this. So if you're listening, this isn't just some fun exercise that we do with, with our interviews. Um, it's really intentional in terms of this hot tub time machine idea so that you're listening to people who have gone through experiences that you've maybe you've not yet gone through them and they're trying to provide you with sound sage advice. Um, and these nuggets are there for more than, you know, these little quips and quotes and stuff like that. So I just really encourage our listeners to, to listen to what John just said. Um, because I think whether it's 
you're, you're 15, 18, 20, 21 or whatever, or you're older and you're going through this world event, you know, to stop and ask yourself what's next um, brings clarity to your life. It brings a thought process that you have to go through that can help you get through that, through that event or through that situation or just advance in your life. Um, it's kind of like when you're watching a show and they show the timeline, you know, is going by and there's this event and it kicks you up into a different alternate timeline. Well, imagine if that's a positive event, don't you want it to happen earlier in your life? And so I would just encourage people to uh, pay very close attention, listen to it several times, what John was talking about and apply it in your life. So John, I just, I want to thank you for being here today. I mean, we're closing out on our time. It's, it, it never ceases to amaze me, but um, we're so blessed to be able to have folks like you that are willing to come on and give, give your time back to the community, um, to our community. And we hope that um, people understand the significant value and blessing that your time is to us. And, and we're definitely blessed by it. it. It's almost, it's too hard sometimes to do a, uh, an interview every week because I get so convicted that I, you know, I'm like, gosh, now I gotta, I've got to think through this now, but it's such great information that, um, even if I can't tackle it this week, I can, um, listen again next week. And so if I understand correctly right now, if people want to reach you, they go to www.northstar-coaching.com. Correct. That's it, Tom. Yeah. Okay. Any other way that you'd like for them to reach you? No, that's, that's the best. Thank you. Okay. All right. So again, that's northstar-coaching.com. We'll put John's uh, contact information in, in the show notes in the website so you can get in touch with John. John, I really appreciate the time we got to spend together. I think that uh, you've dropped a huge number of uh, nuggets for our audience and they can grow. And, and for me, if they uh, learned uh, one thing, it's it's OK to say no. <laughs> so, yeah. This brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Two Guys on Stuff, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Two Guys on Stuff. Tune in next week as Tom and Michael talk more about leadership stuff, life stuff, helpful stuff, and maybe even your stuff. Until then, keep your stories fun.